0: Well, good morning. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by Providence, impoverished in squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The $10 founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter. By 14, they placed him in charge of a trading charter. And every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves, he struggled and kept his guard up. Inside, he was longing for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. Then a hurricane came and devastation reigned. Our man saw the future, his future drip dripping down the drain, put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain, and he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his pain. Well, the word got around, they said, this kid is insane, man, took up a collection just to send him to the mainland, get your education, don't forget from whence you came, and the world's going to know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done, but just you wait, just you wait. When he was 10, his father split, full of it, debt ridden. Two years later, see Alex and his mother bedridden, half dead, sitting in their own sick, the scent thick. And Alex got better, but his mother went quick. Moved in with a cousin, and his cousin committed suicide. Left him with another, but ruined pride. Something new inside. A voice saying, Alex, you got to fend for yourself. And he started retreating and reading every treatise on the shelf. There would have been nothing left to do for someone less astute. He would have been dead or destitute. Without a sense of restitution. Started working, clerking for his late mother's landlord, trading sugar cane and rum and all the things he can't afford, scamming for every book that he can get his hands on, planning for the future, see him now as he stands on, the the bow of a ship headed for a new land. In New York, you can be a new man. In New York, you can be a new man. In New York, you can be a new man. In New York, you can be a new man. New York, New York, just you wait. Alexander Hamilton, We are waiting in the wings for you. You could never back down. You never learned to take your time. Oh, Alexander Hamilton, when America sings for you, will they know what you overcame? Will they know you rewrote the game? The world will never be the same. The ship is in the harbor now. See if you can spot him. Just you wait. Another immigrant. Coming up from the bottom. Just you wait. His enemies destroyed his rep. America forgot him. We fought with him. Me, I died for him. Me, I trusted him. Me, I loved him. And me, I'm the fool who shot him. There's a million things I haven't done, but just you wait. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. 2008. Lin-Manuel Miranda, LMM, from here on out, bought a copy of Alexander Hamilton's written by Ron Chernow. And he took it on vacation with him. And he began to read the first few chapters, and this crazy idea of wrapping this music into a musical, a hip-hop musical, was planted in his brain. In May of next year, LMM began to pen his first a um, number of what really would morph into uh, uh, a phenomenon that's affected culture. It, it was nominated for 16 Tony Awards. It won 11 of them, including Best Musical, and was also the recipient of a 2016 Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album, and in 2016, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Hamilton continues to grow beyond its genre and is still impacting our culture. It's got such a broad appeal to all different kinds of races. It's forever changed the landscape of theater. A friend of mine saw Hamilton twice once in New York City on Broadway and then once in Chicago and he insisted that I see it with him the following year and he said you've got one year Dave to read the book 700 pages memorize the songs the lyrics and visit the website every day I did pretty good with the book I got that done, but I couldn't memorize it. Rapping has so many words. But I did visit the website and I got ready and my daughter and I scrapped together a couple hundred dollars because those tickets were not inexpensive, they were pricey. We got together a few hundred dollars, got the tickets and got up there and thoroughly enjoyed the experience of Hamilton. I'm suggesting to you today that Hamilton, the story, the man himself, Alexander Hamilton, his experiences, the play, the music, LMM himself, the movement, they all demonstrate a very common but mysterious thing called growth. Hamilton himself had an insatiable desire for growing. Spiritually, we see him young as a 17-year-old, just growing spiritually. He had a hunger for spiritual things and understanding the Word of God. A pastor took him up under his wing and, and he learned to grow spiritually, but he also had an intellectual desire to grow, to read everything he could get his hands on. He was always thinking about growth and what he could do. Even physically, he was a short man and he was, he was a frail man, but he, 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 he learned about how to do things physically to, so that he could grow stronger. He just had this insatiable, almost a black hole for growth. He just wanted to grow. There was almost no end to his writing. LMM said that when he was first inspired to do the project, that he had read Hamilton's poem that he had written, right after a hurricane had decimated St. Croix, the island that he was born and raised. And at that time, he had just come back from the Presbyterian pastor, Reverend Hugh Knox. He had just given an, an oration, a, a sermon. And the 17 year old was by himself. And, and he was thinking about all the death and destruction that was around him in his family that he had lost. And then he was thinking about all the death and destruction that had come with a hurricane. And he sat down after that sermon and he began to write this poem. And he gave it to his pastor. He said, hey, I just wrote this poem. And the pastor read the poem and he said, oh my goodness, we got to get this boy over to the States and develop his gifts. And so he received an offering and began to receive more offerings and finally raised enough funds to get Alexander Hamilton over here to the States. And the rest, as you say, is history. But was that growth in Hamilton's life, was it an accident? L.M.M. saw a parallel, which most of us probably wouldn't be able to see, but he saw a parallel to the desire of every race to grow, every person in their heart to grow, to to, to not just grow intellectually, but spiritually and in every way. Um, and he saw that, and he, he saw that parallel, and he, that's when he began to make that music. So I guess I have a lot of questions for us today. I, 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 I can't say that I have all the answers. I just have questions. These are questions that I've struggled with for 20-plus years. Um, I think I've come to some understandings that have been very helpful in my life, but but a lot of this is just questions that I just want to... Th- Kind of present to you and ask that you struggle with them too. And it all has to do with questions about growing and growth. What is growth? Is growth about hunger? Is growth about risk? Is growth about moving away from the regular, the status quo, the familiar? What we're comfortable with? Is growth about moving toward a preferred future? Welcome today. I forgot to welcome everybody. I really am glad that you're here. Thank you for being here and sharing this experience with us today. Wasn't that wonderful today, just worshiping and watching God work in prayer? It's just so phenomenal. If you're here for the first time, thank you for having the courage to come. I really appreciate you, you being here. But today, I, I, I don't want to frustrate you more than I, I, I want to help you. <laughs> but there's so many questions. Today's mostly about questions. I, I just want you to think, and, and one of the best ways that we can spur ourselves to think is to ask ourselves questions and, and try to deal with them. An 8-year-old boy went to his grandfather, and he just really proudly said, Papa, I'm going to be a success in my life. Uh, And and I want you to give me all the tips that you know, that you've learned through your life. So so Grandpa said, okay, let's go to the store. So they went to the store, and they bought two two trees, saplings. And they brought those two saplings back home, and, and they planted one, outside in the yard and then they planted the other one in a pot big pot and brought it inside and he asked his eight-year-old grandson he said which of those trees do you think is going to grow better and further and stronger and eight-year-old said well of course the tree on the inside because it's protected is it's gonna be nourished in on the inside it won't have all the elements to contend with and And he said, "Okay." And the grandfather just took care of both trees equally for the next few years. Then one time, grandson was visiting again. And he said, Papa, you never really told me what it takes to be a success. And I'm I'm almost 17 now. I really want to know what you know about being a success in life. Because I look at your life, and I see you've been a success. And I admire that. I want to know the secrets he said, do you remember the trees that we planted a few years ago? He said, of course I do. And he said, well, let's look at this one on the inside. And it had grown to about three or four feet. And he said, that's pretty good growth, isn't it? And the grandson said, yeah, that's pretty good growth. He said, let's go look at the one out on the outside. He went outside, and looked at the tree out there, and he said, blah, that tree is 20-plus feet tall and strong. He said, that's the lesson of life that you got to give. He said, if you live a protected life, if you try to stay away from all the struggles and try to protect yourself, you'll never grow. Like that tree outside, it's against the elements. It's against the challenges. He said, never run from your challenges. Never run from the difficulties in your life because that's where you grow the most. That's where you grow the most. That's the best thing I can give you, son. So... Back to our questions. Is the same true for us? If I choose the safe route, if I choose the protected route, will my life be a life of mediocrity? Is environment one of those things that I should never complain about? Because I'm in control of how I react or change my environment. If I have the courage and the capacity to look at what I've been given and respond positively to my conditions and give myself, will I give myself, if I do that, if I look at what God's given me, and if I look at the potential of responding positively to my conditions, will I give myself a chance to win better? A chance to grow more? A chance to reach more of my God-given potential? Another question, am I living... these These are questions I struggle with. Still do in a lot of ways. Am I living in a way to protect myself indoors, like the tree indoors, from impending elements that could stimulate my growth? Or am I planting myself outside in a way that is right in the path of cruel opposition? Where the winds of difficulties will hit me, bow me over. And I know this a little bit. I don't know a lot like tree, about trees. Like Jake knows about trees. Man, he knows a lot about trees. And he's come out to our farm and he's looked at these trees and he's told me stuff about that. I was like, "Wow, how do you know all that stuff?" But I do know this: that when wind hits your trees, it causes them to bend over and they get stronger if they don't break. Get stronger. How many of us know? that you really didn't grow until you took a stand against what's evil. And that's where you really grew. Whether it was personally, you just said, you know, this isn't going to happen anymore in my life. And you took a stand, you found out how weak you are. And you knew that you had to depend on God's spirit. You knew that you had to find some strength that was beyond yourself. And you found the strength that you didn't even know that you had. Right? Just because you planted yourself in the way of evil and said no. Or if you started praying for someone because they're just getting buffeted by life and they're getting tore up by life. And you know that temptation is just about ready to swallow them up. And you just stood up and you just said, God, I'm going to pray for my friend. I'm just going to believe that you're going to touch Them, in a way that they can understand that it's your hand coming to help them. And you stood in the gap for them and you prayed for them and you found out, you know, I I don't know how to pray, God. And then you found out that the Holy Spirit helps you pray in your weaknesses. You found out that God hears your prayers when you pray for other people. And even though temptation, sickness and disease and and difficulty is attacking, God comes to the rescue to help them. You didn't even know that was possible until you stood up and you started praying for them. We find our greatest strength when the attack is on. We find our greatest strength when we stand up against evil. It doesn't have to be that way. And God is waiting for some of us to stand up in greater ways. So today, can we just pause just for a minute and think a little more deeply on this concept of growing? Do we really understand what growing is and what it demands? Or has growth, this thing called growing, has it become so familiar that we miss key aspects about how growth can absolutely give us advantages in life if we'll continue to grow. Do we assume that we're growing when, in fact, we've long since stopped growing? Between my sixth and seventh grade year, I grew 11 inches. <laughs> like a weed, but I didn't know I was growing. I just knew my shoes wouldn't fit anymore, and my pants were looking like this, you know, just grew really fast, and I didn't know I was growing until one day I came home and I had pain in my hip, and I blew my hips out, and I had to have surgery on both of them. I grew the doctor said I was going to grow to over six feet, I continued to grow and I got to be about six four but you being an athlete, I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep on going. Friends and I used to talk about, or my basketball buddies and I used to talk about how 6'6 six, six or 6'7 six, is about perfect height. We all wanted to be about 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, well, I topped out at 6'4. I didn't know I'd stop growing until some of my friends kept on going. That's the funny thing about growth. You don't know you're growing when you're growing. You don't know that you stopped when you didn't. So there's got to be a better, if we want to keep growing, we've got to have a better system to make sure that we are providing the environment and the nutrients so that we grow. So what would it look like if you, on purpose, decided to do everything that I try to encourage us to do for a year? What if you went through the growth track and you got exposed You expose yourself to some principles that would help you grow. And you would see what we try to do as a church to try to help everybody grow. What would your life look like if you did that for, it just takes four sessions, four four hours, you know, just four hours. You can jump in any one of those at any time. You don't have to sign up. You just go. Step three this, this week, step four next week, just... What, what, what would your life look like if, if you got involved with a small group for 8, 9, 10 weeks and you just got to know people and started to build some friendships and you learned a little bit more about the Word of God because some you know, there's a lot of people that have insight in the Word of God that I don't have but if I get with them I find out what they know and how they've applied the Word of God to their life and what worked and what didn't work and what would your life look like if you did that for, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten weeks? Got a financial peace university. What would your financial life look like if you went through nine weeks, which starts tonight if you want to get in on it? What would it look like if you went and you committed yourself for nine weeks of that and, and you started doing the homework or whatever is, is, is part of that class and at the end of nine weeks after after receiving some of the greatest financial coaching available in the world, what would your life be like, say, 18 weeks from there, after you start applying, you start saving, you get out of debt, you do all that kind of stuff? What would it be like? Do we just wait for growth to happen... By accident? Or do we make sure that we're getting nourished? That we're doing the things that cause growth? That we're making sure that we're getting in the environments where we'll see that kind of growth happen? You know, I I love sports, and, and I'm just amazed at what some of these athletes are able to do now. I mean, just even... Okay, guys, I'm going to have my 40th high school reunion. That doesn't even seem possible. I just feel like I'm getting started in life. 40 years, that's four decades. Don't tell anybody. So we weren't able to do near what they're able to do now. The whole, Coach Miller would tell you, a whole game has changed. The way they shoot threes, I mean, that wasn't even possible. Man, I, our coach would have put us on the bench, and Coach Miller says, shoot them. Some of his kids are so good, they take one step across the line, the half-court line, and jack it up, and it goes in sometimes. But what, where does that come from? Where does this athleticism come from? Is it diet? Is it skill development? Is it other things of the environment, lifting weights and conditioning? Yeah, it's all of that. Is there things that we can do spiritually so that we continue to grow and develop? Just questions that we need to ask ourselves often. Why do some people grow to 5 foot 1 and some people grow to 6 foot eleven? You ever thought about that? Why? They might have the same nourishment, might even have the same parents. I know a friend of mine, his he's he's 6'6, and his brother is 5'11. And his 511 is bitter. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, isn't that just DNA? Don't tall oaks come from a little acorn? But don't short oaks come from a little acorn too? So I think about that and I think about, well, what is our growth potential? What's your growth potential? I really think only God knows. But I believe that every one of us has a potential, a growth potential that God has placed in our DNA, and we need to nourish it. How do I do that? Should I focus on how to grow? There must be a reason for growth happening or when it doesn't. Why? In some situations, is there growth? In, in other situations, there's not. Is growth an accident or is it a mystery? Is the factors of growth, are those things that I can manipulate is it, or, or induce? I know this about plants that you can put a tube around them and they'll grow bigger, faster. Why is that? Because it concentrates all the... The, the sunlight and the nourishments of that and, and they're able to caps, capture that and capitalize on it? Are there things that we can do so that we'll grow stronger spiritually? Is, is there something that I can do as a pastor to make sure that we're growing better? That really gets an echo right there. Is there something that you can do To grow spiritually in a context, an environment. All good questions. Is growth something that... Oh, get this one. Is growth something that you and I are responsible for? Or is growth something that we pray to God for and hope that He answers that prayer? Or is it both? Both. Peter wrote this. Um, don't you love Peter? If you read the scripture and you look at what Peter experienced, you know, oh gosh. Up and down, right? He was, Peter, who do you think I am? Jesus asked him. And he said, Oh, you're the son of the living God. You're the living Christ. He came from heaven. He came to us. He said and, and Jesus said, You know, you didn't figure that out from people. That's the Heavenly Father speaking that to you. You got a revelation of who I am. And then a little bit later, not just not not very long later, it wasn't very long, and a little girl, small girl, Aren't you the one that followed Jesus? No. And then he starts cussing and he starts denying then Jesus comes to him on the shore after he's resurrected and he said, Peter, you love me. And he begins this conversation and he restores Peter. And we see Peter's life going up and down. But I love Peter because of his heart. I just love his heart. He's just very real. You know, he's like, man, I, am I worth anything? And Jesus says, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to use you like crazy, Peter. So get up, and let's get after it again. If there's anybody that n- understood growth, it was Peter. Because he started so small and with little influence, and pretty soon he's, he's leading thousands of people to Christ in boldness. You know, church history is, is really fascinating. If you ever get to reading it, read that about Peter. You know, it, it came to him and Paul being in Rome in prison, and Nero was in power, and there's great persecution. And we know this from church history that it was time for Peter to be executed and they were going to crucify him. And he said, no, turn me upside down. I, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way that my Lord was crucified. That's a man who had grown spiritually. That's a man who had come a long way. And once you think about your life, man, where are you? Are you growing Look what God's done for you already. Aren't you glad you're not where you were before? Oh, man. So Peter says these words, he says, but grow in grace, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord. So Peter's, I, I probably didn't put enough inflection in my voice with that, the way I feel that Peter wrote that. He's probably writing this, and this is probably how it sounded, but grow in grace. <laughs> but grow, he's urging us to grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord. Well, how do we grow in grace? Can I grow by myself? certain amount, maybe. Can I grow in Grace. Can I grow in knowledge by myself? Maybe a little bit. Do I need other people to grow? Absolutely. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. Consider, Jesus had a lot to say about growth. And he said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Toil not, neither do they spin. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they grow how they grow. See, even if our DNA differs with our capacity for growth, no matter what's in that seed that God has made us in, there's still a capacity to growth, for growth. And Jesus went on to say, and this is important, in Matthew chapter 13, it's all about kingdom parables. He's explaining the kingdom. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if, if Jesus was here and he, he said, because we, we probably all agree that Jesus knew what the kingdom was like, right? The kingdom of God. If there's anybody that knew what the kingdom of God was like, it would be Jesus. And what if he was here and he said, the kingdom of heaven, he's, he's going to tell us exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like. And what if he was here and he said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like, well, this is what that is. So he says, listen. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he goes through in chapter 13 of Matthew all these different parables of what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he he takes everyday experiences and he begins to explain what what this kingdom is like. Here's one of them. The kingdom of heaven is like... So Jesus, what's the kingdom of heaven like? He says, it's like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl he went away and sold all that he had and bought it what is jesus telling us about the kingdom here how do pearls grow ever thought about that anybody know how a pearl grows precious. it grows from an irritation It grows from an impediment inside the oyster shell. And the oyster secretes this gooey stuff and then just rolls it around. What is Jesus telling me about the kingdom? The kingdom grows in me through difficulties, through hardships, through difficult people. It grows in me through these things, and it grows out of me through these things. The hardest things in my life, God uses. (laughs) I don't like that parable. I wish he would have said something else. (laughs) Because that parable's hard. But I look at what he says and I think, Jesus... You're telling me what the kingdom is like. My difficulties, my hardships, the people in my life that challenge me the most I should be thankful for. Because that is exactly what God is going to use the most in my life. Thank you for the one amen. I appreciate that. (laughs) There's a book that I'll just pass along to you. I'm kind of a book guy. I like books and I like the book the best, but there's other books that I find a lot of help with, and it's by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. It came out a few years ago, it's a fantastic book. and He just did a study on uh, uh, what high, high-producing uh, people, high achievers, some of the commonalities of them, and he, you know what he found out? He, you know, he thought he he would find these people that. Achieved a lot that they didn't have a lot of opposition. They didn't have a lot of situations that were hard. But he found just the opposite. He found that these people just spontaneously grew at the convergence of their hardships and difficulties. And they were able to see those difficulties in a new light. And they would be able to see that even in those difficulties, when they had all these kinds of weaknesses and hardships and difficulties, that they found ways to overcome. And they found that their weaknesses, they would would actually look at their weaknesses and see that there's advantages in their weaknesses. The difficulties that we face, the people in our lives, the, the, the hardships that we have, these are the very seeds of great things happening in our lives. I don't like this. I'd rather not talk to you about it. Because it's a hard conversation. It's a hard thing to talk about. But it's the very thing that we need to hear. God wants us growing, I think. A few years ago, there was the codfish industry up in the northeast of the United States. They, they were having trouble shipping fresh fish across the, across the states and... They would get there, they would freeze them first, and they'd get there and they'd just lose all their taste and they were just nasty. And so they'd start putting them in tanks and ship them over there live. And, but still, in the salt water, getting shipped over there, they'd lose their taste and they were just nasty still. And then somebody figured out, you know, what if we put some catfish in there? And catfish is a natural enemy of a codfish. And so they put the catfish in the live tanks and then they started shipping, and those codfish, I mean, those catfish would chase the codfish all around all during the shipment and by the time that they got to their place man those codfish were healthy and strong and they tasted great (laughs) and I'm beginning to think hey I need some catfish in my life because sometimes you don't know that you quit growing and you need somebody to hold your feet to the fire So catfish can be a good thing. Hardship can be a good thing. <laughs> is there any one right way to grow? I don't, I don't know. Can growth come from many sources? What is the mighty oak but a little nut that stood its ground? <laughs> is, all good, is all growth good growth? I, I don't think any of us would say that cancer is a, a good, good thing but it's growth, so we want healthy growth. What would it like, just a question, this is one I've asked myself, what would it like, would it, what would it be like to have wisdom to develop a personalized system of growth on purpose, on purpose, instead of just waiting till I feel like growing spiritually? But what if I did it on purpose? What, what, what would it look like? What would my day look like? Can it be done on purpose? What would it require? Can I tell you one more fish story and then I'll I'll tell you one more story and I'll wrap up. But okay, so I like to fish, I like to hunt, and I like to do all that kind of thing. And so I'm always paying attention to environments for that. And so we live in a great area, don't we? I mean it's in 10 minutes and you're into some good fishing or hunting or whatever if you like that kind of stuff i sorry all you animal lovers I you just like gotta put a lot up with me don't you um, well anyhow down in Branson on the White River um, before 1913 it was a white river and there was some trout in there just wild trout I think they stocked it in the 1800s or something, but there were some in there. And there, Where the springs came in, fed the White River, there was some trout. Well, in 1913, they built the lake, uh, Tanicomo, and built a dam there. And it, 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 it caused Tanicomo to be, a, a it, the White River to be Lake Tanicomo, and it was a warm water, warm, warm water lake. Um, some of the trout still survived, but they had to hung, hang close to the springs inlets there. and uh, So there wasn't a whole lot of trout fish in there. In, for, from 1913 all the way to 1958, but in 1958, they built the dam on Table Rock and changed Branson forever. Because on that dam on Table Rock, all the undercurrents of the, of the lake would, they would release those and they would flow into Tanicomo now. And Tanicomo be, went from a warm water lake to a ice cold. And not only that, but the food environment just started to accelerate. And these stunted trout populations begin to explode. And just in a few years, I think in less than a decade, they're starting to pull out monsters. Just last week, or a couple weeks ago, I can't remember exactly, this has been in September, just a couple of weeks ago, they yanked out a 40 pound plus brown trout. Just out of, of Tanikomo. It, it was only, that's it. It was only like almost two pounds shy of the world record. Four. Huh? Four. Four pounds? So, Four. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, it's a big fish. Yeah. And it makes you think. Wow. Environment has a lot to do with it. So, what we try to do here is cultivate environment of growth, I want you to take advantage of it. Get to know people. Get in a small group. Get in the growth track. Because as you, you, you got to grow. Was that an accident? That was an accident. They didn't know. People are coming from all over the world to fish down there now, and they have been for years. They didn't even know what they had. It was all an accident. Will growth happen in your life by accident? Yeah, because God's sovereign; <laughs> He arranges things in our lives, and we'll grow. But what if you cooperate? You intelligently say, "You know, I'm going to cooperate with God. I see this kind of thing happening in my life. I just want to make it make myself more available for that kind of growth to take place. That's important. Okay, here's my last story, and let you go. So. If you're kind of tracking with me and you know I'm seeing that I need to grow um, I want to tell you something you're way ahead of me than what I was in 2010 I had gone through year after year after year of doing the same thing and just pretty much frustrated and I began to pray and I just what can I do to grow and you know I, I, I when I Came across all my frustrations. I did what you probably have done. I started blaming other people. I uh, criticized. I looked at myself in, you know, a poor way. Complained. I'm sure nobody, I'm not even going to look up. Nobody's ever done any of that, but that's what I—I I had a habit of, that, of doing that. But I think what was killing me the most—I had developed and cultivated this amazing ability to think small. To think small. I've noticed this when you get around God, get around His Word, get around the Holy Spirit. He thinks big. He thinks big. He thinks possibility. Where we're, we're thinking disease, He's thinking health. Uh, you know, we're, we're thinking broken. He's thinking, I can fix this. I'm amazed at what I learned from him. But anyhow, I had a friend, a pastor, mentor, friend guy in Columbia, and he suggested I go to a conference. And, and after lunch with him, I said, well, I'd do that, but it's, it's, it's uh, awfully expensive. He just looked at me. He wouldn't even take that for me. He says, find the money. Find the money. Okay. Well, I just needed that kick in the butt to get going. And I went to this conference. I just drove up to her, it was in St. Louis. Sat in the plenary session where they're just talking to leaders. And I'll never forget the experience that I had listening to this man talk about leadership and tell me what leaders do. Leaders don't complain. Leaders don't blame. Leaders take action. Leaders make change happen. And he went right down the line. He just cut me wide open. And you know, guys, I just sat there and I thought, I'm wrong. It's not people. It's not my circumstances. It's me. It's me. And I started weeping. I literally, I'm not a crier. My wife will tell me, say, said, why'd you cry? You feel a lot better if you cry. Well, I'm just not in touch with my emotions that much, I guess. But, but I can remember just listening to this leader. And I just started weeping. I, start, I, I wept during the whole session. And it went all day. It went from like 9 to 6. And I wept the entire day. I drove home. I wept driving home. I got home. And my eyes are just bloodshot, and she's like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, don't know. I you know, couldn't even explain it. It's just that God was working on the heart. You know, he's got to work on your heart first. He deals with your heart first in order to move you into the, the things he wants you to do and, and accomplish. And, and there's tons of blessing on the other side, but he's got to deal with your heart first and he was dealing my heart. Went back the second day, and as soon as I got in that second, second day session, I just, it started again, and the fountain started. I, just, I guess it was just, I don't really know, I guess it was a cleansing, a, kind of a, a changing of my mind, a changing, a, a going away from things that were all old and worn out, excuses and going to life and Accepting responsibility for what was ahead, and I remember writing something down. I, I remember writing one of the sessions they talked about just do it, just do it, and I wrote that, and that for some reason that just spoke to me. I was like, just do it, and I printed it out, and I, I still have that, and if I ever get stuck, which I do, I'll, I'll take that out, just do it, you know, just do it that for some reason that gives me life and and so. What I did, I made a list of all the things that were going to change in my personal life. This was 2011. And so for eight years now, that's what I've been doing. I'm still working on that list. And I made every change that I can think of and I'm still working on them. And you know what, it's it's bringing change. It's, it brought change to the whole church. It's bringing change to my life, my family. Um, it's it's, bring, it's been a connection to, to God's life. Well, what, I wanted to share that with you because that's not exactly why I want to share that When I started making those changes We started doing things at the other building a lot different than we had ever done And, and you, some of you guys were here when I took that can of black paint and started painting the I Would just want to do something different. I didn't care what we were gonna. do. It's just gonna be different And I can remember it kind of cut us right down in the middle the young people and the old people <laughs> And I'm kind of right in the middle and some of the older people say what are you doing? And I said, I don't know, but we're going to do it different. And I just want your grandkids to want to come to church here. That's what I want. And so I'm going to change it, you know. And, and then uh, the young people, they were in their young 20s. What, they, they asked me the same question. What are you doing? So I tried to explain to them. I said, well, I just I want to change things a little bit. And they got right with me. They got right with me and they helped me and ideas and more ideas and better ideas came from them and so I'm just all ears listening to their ideas and and writing them down and I got other people in here and got more ideas and better ideas and I I went to other people who are doing things better than us, and and I just had millions of questions, and just asked and asked and asked. I was learning and growing, and we were, and the enthusiasm and momentum started changing. You guys started coming, and it's been great. I've just been enjoying it more than ever. Just been excited. Well, when we were in that other building making these changes, there's a man that came, his stepdaughter started coming, and and. a lot of you know her and and uh well she told me one weekend she says hey my my stepdad's gonna come next weekend i said awesome awesome and his name was johnny and johnny came and and johnny's kind of a biker drug life in the past and uh, you know he's he just he like some of us just kind of wasted you know just just trying to hang on to life and not sure what life is about and that kind of thing and he came in and, and I, I, I just listened, you know, I, I did, he just listened while I was, you know, sharing like today, and and uh, at the end of the service, I, I just beeline for him, you know, because don't, don't take this wrong, but when somebody's coming in from a different environment and, and we know each other and we can talk another time, this may be their time only chance. You, you know what I'm saying? And really, that's what all of us need to be doing is that when people are coming in, they're, they're searching for God. They're searching. They don't even know a lot of time. That's your cue to go and extend some friendship. And so I beeline for him after, afterwards at the door. And this was in the other building. And I just said, Johnny, man, thanks for coming. And he said, oh, David, you really got me thinking today. I said, well, good. What have you been thinking about? I said, oh, eternity. It's like, if that isn't an open door, you know. (laughs) And I said, really? Well, uh, is there anything I can do to help? Do you want to talk again? He said, no, but I'll I'll be back next week. And so same thing, same story the next week. As soon as it was done, a beeline for him. And Johnny, thanks for coming again. He said, "Man, you know this is cool. What you're doing, I, you know." And we were in a little box over there. We just we just looked at what we could do, and we recreated it. And he said, "I really like this this environment. This this uh, what you're doing here." I said, "Thanks, Johnny." He said, "He said hey." And so I said, "Johnny, have you been thinking any more about what what you said that you've been thinking about?" <laughs> and uh, he said, "Yeah, I have." I said, "I just I took the cue, and I just said." Are you ready, Johnny? You ready to receive Jesus into your heart? He said, No, but if I come back next week, I will. I said, Are you serious? He said, Yeah, if I come back next week, I will. I said, Okay, I'm gonna take your word for it. Well, he came back the next week, he received Christ. And afterwards, he said, I wanna be baptized. I said this is awesome, Johnny. So we baptized him, and and I'll never forget. Right before we baptized him, let him. Some of you were here, were there. Um, he is, you know, you want to say anything? He said, Yeah, I just want to say I want to thank my family for coming, and they've been praying for me for a long time, and all this kind of thing. And and then he then, he said, then I said, I said right before I baptized you, I just want to ask you, are you ready? to follow Jesus with all your heart, with nothing held back. He said, I'll never forget the word. He just said, hardcore, hardcore. (laughs) We baptized him. It was just a great day. But that's not the end of the story. Four days later, on a Thursday, that office uh, overlooked 63. We're just down the road there. And I could see 63 all the time. Thursday, so just four days after he had been baptized, um, heard a bunch of sirens going up and down. And I looked down 63, and, and they're all turning down Johnny Street. So it wasn't too long I get the call. and I go over there, and I'm stopped by Officer Rapier right there on the road. And he said, Dave, Johnny's gone. <laughs> I, was just, I was just shocked. What happened? They had a heart attack. He was gone. You know, I was with the family for a little bit and then went back over to the office and took care of some things. Later that evening, I was by, my, my, by myself, finally alone with my own thoughts. And I, I really sensed the Holy Spirit saying these words. See why it's so important that you grow. And that you change. Because of Johnny. It's not just about you, it's about the Johnnies that still need to come. And I got thinking about that. Guys, what's it worth to you to change, to grow? See, I feel that like this appeal is coming straight from heaven to us. What can I do so that a Johnny gets touched and come into the kingdom of heaven through you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. I just want to say thank you for your grace, your mercy, your patience with us. God, we need you. We need you so much. We need you more now than we've ever needed you. And we've always needed you. I'm just asking you right now, God, that you would help us to grow. I asked a lot of questions today. I don't know all the answers. I just know that you're in there and you're wanting to grow and you're wanting to transform and you're wanting to use us in ways that we don't even know yet. God forgive us when we've been stiff-necked, when we've been stubborn, when we we've been selfish or we've been seeking after pleasure and and, and all those kinds of things and none of that's wrong so much as as it just distracts us from what matters the most. What matters the most is that Your love come in us and through us to help a Johnny and another Johnny and another Johnny. God, use us as a a group of people that just love you and and want to be used in a greater way. Open up our hearts to see the opportunities and, and help us work together so that we'll grow together and that we'll begin to make an impact in people's lives and in our community in a way that we've never even seen yet. God, help us. Help us, God. We just appeal to you for your spirit to help us. Help us grow. Help us. Help us to see a heavenly vision. Help us to see the kingdom that Jesus, you talked about, is like a pearl. Help us to see those difficulties and the difficult people in our lives and see the opportunities, God, for growth. Knowing that you're going to use these situations, these hardships, these difficult people, you're going to use them to advance your kingdom in us and through us. We need your help, though. It's not easy to see those things. Sometimes it's very, very difficult because we're locked into this environment. We're locked into this life, and we can't see some of these things. But open our eyes, God, to the kingdom of heaven and the way that you're working. Oh, help us, God. I believe God wants to use us, He wants our lives to count. The rest of this year is going to be better than ever. Let's go ahead and stand. (laughs) haven't really even begun to be able to pray about the different things that are going on in our life. If you want more prayer and you want us to agree with you in prayer, then we've got prayers ready to pray with you, and I'll be here and hang out with you. If you just want to talk, we'll be around. All right? So... I don't know how to land this thing, so God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day. Love you guys. Enjoy football. And FPU starts tonight. Growth track begins here in a minute.